through September, as we've come back inside from Garden Church, um, we've been looking at this uh, simple teaching series. We call it Operation, uh, and looking at the amazing body of Jesus Christ and, and how it works. Uh, we're finishing that today before we go back into Revelation next week. Earlier in the year, we were uh, preaching through uh, the book of Revelation. It's an amazing book, uh, and uh, Ken's going to pick that up next week. Watch out on Facebook this week. Uh, he's going to put some helpful material on there for you to uh, take a look at and, and just get your reading and your thinking, your praying back into this amazing prophetic book full of worship um, that I know will make us strong as disciples. But for this week, we finish our series on the, on the body of Christ. I've got a bit of a wobble here. Let me just move and see if that, if that helps. I can't abide a wobble. I don't know about you. Um, so we've been looking at Jesus being the head of the body. Um, we get to worship Jesus. We get to submit to him. Uh, we've been looking as well over a couple of Sundays. We, the Bible says we, it's one of the pictures of, to describe the church. Uh, we are the body of Christ, uh, the Bible says. Uh, it's an expression of how we serve one another, how we love one another, how we encourage one another. We've been looking at our, not our independence, but our interdependence as parts that make up a whole uh, body. We're connected and yet we are diverse. Um, we're unique and yet we're one. Uh, we're gifted and we're growing. But this week, and this often gets missed in our churches, we recognize that we are also uh, have some movement and momentum as the body of Christ. Uh, we move outwards. Um, just turn with me uh, if you have your Bibles. And if you don't, please bring them along next time we gather to worship with the church. I love a paper Bible. I love to be able to open a Bible and see where I am in the story and know, hey, there's something before this and there's something after this. We want to know the context of what we're reading, don't we? Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just, um, he's been baptized in water. He's received the Holy Spirit. He's gone into the wilderness for, for 40 days and he comes out, it's, Luke says, full of the power of the Spirit. Uh, and uh, in Luke chapter 4, he turns up at a synagogue. He's handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and uh, he finds the place where it's written. I love that. Even Jesus, when he's looking in the scriptures, has to find, where, I know it's here somewhere. Where is it written? Oh, here we are. I found it in Isaiah. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus says, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, there's a, there's a sermon right there. But this gives us our context. Later on, Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, he's died on the cross for our sins. Wow, we've been singing those beautiful songs with Bill and Anna this morning. Jesus was raised to life uh, by the power of, of God. And before he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 20, he said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, say everything, 
everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That was Jesus' great uh, commandment and his, his great commission, rather. Later on, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's caught something of this. He's writing to young Timothy, who he's mentoring. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen, what am I saying this morning? What's our motivation here as the body of Christ? It's this. If we follow Jesus, if we love Jesus, our, our head, the head of the church, there is only one direction this body can go in. It's outward. How good that because of COVID, our doors are open this morning. The doors of the church should always be open. There's only one direction we go as the body of Christ. It is outward towards the lost, the broken, the sinner, the hurting world. Uh, when we were praying earlier this morning, Tony brought a, a, a prophetic picture of, of us as a church in canoes. Um, and he said, I saw us all going into the same direction. That's a great word, Tony. I don't know if you're in here or out uh, looking after people outside somewhere. Wow, what a brilliant word. We're going in one direction, outwards. The one time I, I went skiing, uh, I, I had some lessons. Um, you could say they didn't go too well because I came home with my thumb hanging down my wrist, having to be reattached. But they, they taught me one thing about the mechanics of trying to go down a mountain at speed on ice and snow. And that was something to do with the positioning of the body and the turning of the head to look where you're going. And it pulls your whole body into line. Neil, you can ski. Is that... Is that yeah, it's, Good, okay, that's good. Don't listen to me for any other skiing tips because it didn't turn out well. Um, but I did remember that, hey, listen, our love for Jesus and our obedience to him as our head means the body follows where Jesus is going. And Jesus is going one way, friends. He, he's going all out for those who don't yet know him. As his body, we're his hands. I, I think I just needed a, a moment to pause and just say amen in your hearts. I know we, that's not always our sharpest focus, and, and perhaps I'm, I'm going to make that point over and over again in the next few minutes before we pray. But let's just meditate on that for a moment. There's, there's one thing Jesus has come for. He's coming to the world to save sinners, and we pull in behind that, in that direction. Everything we do, all that we are, every other reason why we gather, and they're all important, um, but it's all about, in the end, reaching those who don't yet know him. Amen. This morning's message, I, I guess, if I had a title, would be called His Hands and His Feet. I, I'm just going to speak for a few minutes and, and perhaps just share some things prophetically we felt the Lord saying this week about, as His body, what we do, where we serve, um, where we go, what we speak, what we show to the world around us. Just some, some scriptures, again, that, that help us. Um, Danny's right to keep opening the Bible this morning. We shouldn't apologize for that. We, we have nothing other than the Word of God, uh, which we're so, so grateful for, this living Word. 1 Peter 4.10 says, we, uh, tells us uh, that we're his hands and feet to serve. It says this, um, uh, each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Okay, if, if you've received any kind of gift by the grace of God, then we become the hands of Jesus to serve others with that gift that he's given us. We are not a self-serving people. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us we're his hands and his feet to represent him. It says, uh, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Um, God makes his appeal through us. You and I are the ambassadors of, of Jesus Christ. We represent him. Um, 
Uh, Ephesians 2.10, love this verse. We're his hands and feet to do good works for him in the world. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared uh, beforehand or in advance for us to do or for us to walk in. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're part of this body of which he is our supreme head, the lover of our souls, then you know that even in advance, even before you began to follow Jesus, before you became a part of this church, God has ordained in advance good works for you and and, and us together to walk in. Hallelujah. That's rather exciting. That means we're not here without purpose or we're not here with many purposes, but there is something that he has for us to walk in. And that is to go out to the lost and the broken in the world. With his hands and his feet to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Oh, let me just read these, these amazing verses in Romans uh, chapter, chapter 10. I, I think I said last week, I'm struggling with my Bible here because at Garden Church I, I spilt my bottle of water all over it and now I can't turn the pages. And every Sunday I think oh, I need to replace my Bible, but I love this old Bible. Uh, Romans 10, I've managed to find the pages where they're stuck together. And uh, let's just uh, pick up from... Uh, Uh, Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Uh, And by the way, this is not the sermon this morning, but if you call on the name of Jesus today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, whether you're here in the room or whether you're with us online, if you call on the name of Jesus, here's a promise for you. You will be saved. Okay? There's no doubt about it. You are absolutely saved and you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. But Paul goes on. And, and here perhaps he speaks to us. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And, can you see his logic here? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, he quotes the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, um, beloved, um, to bring this good news to the world around us. Um, someone, I was in a conversation with someone last week, they said to me, how on earth do you run a marathon? Um, I, I've, I've run one recently, I may have mentioned it, forgive me. Um, but honestly, it's not big or clever. My answer always is the same. You, you literally just put one foot in front of the other and you, whatever voice you hear in your head and whatever reports your body is sending to the brain, you just keep moving. You refuse to stop uh, until you have crossed the finish line. And as we look at being the hands and feet of Jesus, um, feet are required and designed to move a body forward. They're designed to go one in front of the other. I'm thinking of that old uh, Noel Richards song now. Step by step we're moving forward. Little by little. Do you remember that one? Yeah, okay. We used to dance it in church, didn't we? In fact, we probably have with kids' church and in the garden. Feet are designed. That's an amazing design. If you're an engineer, I don't think you could come up with a better design for a foot than a foot. It's just remarkable. Um, but moving forward requires, in God, requires faith and obedience. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. There's a movement. Um, there's a, a direction and an action. The Bible's full of stories of, of people who say, okay, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, not because I'm trying to get fit and run a marathon, but because God has called me and spoken and I have to obey him. Uh, Abraham was instructed to leave his father's house and his own country and his own comfort and his relatives to a land he didn't even know at that point. Didn't know where he was going, but God said, hey, Abraham, start to put one foot in front of the other. Jonah was told to go 
preach to Nineveh and told they're going to, by the way, they're going to be hostile as you preach repentance to them. Go put one foot in front of the other and go there and open your mouth. In fact, he, he put his feet in front of the other and went the other way to start with, as we know. But he got there in the end, praise God. R- Ruth was told to leave. Uh, she, she made a choice in faith and obedience to leave her own family and, and not to return to her own family, but to stay with her mother-in-law and, and serve her faith and obedience movement. Jesus Christ gave a, a calling to 12 ordinary disciples to become his closest friends. And, and you, if you read in the Gospels, he asked them to walk away, to turn away from, at times, their own families, from their jobs, um, from their own comforts, from their personal safety in order to follow him. Philip, on, in Acts 8, on the, uh, the Holy Spirit says, move your feet, Philip. You're going to the Gaza Road. He, he leaves, goes to the Gaza Road. Move your feet again, Philip. You see that guy in the chariot? You're going to go and talk to him. Philip obediently puts one foot in front of the other, goes, talks to the man in the chariot. Uh, the chariot doesn't stop, so Philip, in obedience, just keeps going alongside. What an amazing sermon. Imagine. I, I've not yet... Actually, I did uh, share the gospel with a man on the Milton Keynes Marathon once, but I don't think it was as good as Philip's on the Gaza Road. Philip runs along. He puts one foot in front of the other. Feet can be really ugly. In in my house, uh, I'm not loved for my feet uh, and the quality of them. But the Bible says your feet are beautiful when you move and go as God intended. If you've got feet like mine, just say thank you to Jesus for a moment. That in faith and obedience, you have beautiful feet this morning. That's how he sees them. Hey, we all started out this way. Um, For all of us, if we've come to Christ, it started with some uh, movement of faith and obedience. We turned away from our old life of sin. That's what the word repentance means. We literally did a, did a 180 and turned away and began to walk towards Jesus Christ. For the first time, our eyes were opened. Our hearts were burning. We see, oh Jesus, you really are the way, the truth and the life. I'm going to leave everything that I've ever found comfort and hope and life in in order to follow you. You're the one that I'm going to pursue now for the rest of my life. And so we walked courageously into, into faith in Jesus and repentance and we left sin behind that had so easily dominated our lives and we walked through the waters of baptism and we walked into this new life with Jesus and I wonder sometimes church as I look at my own lives and our expression of the body together why we've stopped walking why we've stopped in that journey with Jesus at that particular point for us and over the last 24-36 hours particularly with this church planting conference we've been involved in much of our Going and walking in faith and obedience is, is seen in church planting. Even out of this church, just in the last uh, two, three years, we've, we've sent the Druze uh, to an amazing work in, in South Asia. Um, last summer, we sent the Bailey family to go begin a new church community uh, in Banbury. It was great to be with Richard in a, in a breakout room at the conference uh, yesterday. We sent Joe and Amy this summer from our back garden there um, to go and play their part in supporting and encouraging the church plant in Paris. We've been reflecting in our house this week. It was 25 years ago, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, that that Kaz and I um, moved to the north of Manchester, left Horsham, uh, where I'd grown up in my teenage years and where I was very comfortable in my dad's church to go plant our first church uh, in the north 
of Manchester in, in those days for, for us and those around us in, in those little groups as we were beginning, there was just a, a, a ready movement and obedience um, to open our homes, start a group, go anywhere because Jesus is on the move. I remember the first time we had a, a group come over on a Sunday. Some students came over over the Pennines to us in Oldham from Leeds and they came two weeks running. We thought, wow, people are coming. I mean, uh, our meetings weren't great to come to. We were in a, in a really unpleasant community center where if you had little children that, that were crawling, and we did at that point, you would not put them down on the floor. It was one of those where there'd been stuff going on in there the night before, and you'd lose your shoes in there, and certainly you'd have to unstick your children um, and watch what they were touching. People came to those meetings uh, because there was something of the vision uh, of, of God um, uh, amongst us at the time. And, and, and within a fortnight, these, this car full of students from Leeds, this was, this was the sense that we lived with at the time. Oh, wow, you guys, you guys in student, are you in halls in Leeds? No, no, we've got our own house. Oh, brilliant. Can, can we start a church there? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so we'll come over Wednesday and, and we'll do church in the home. And so we planted a church in Leeds on the Wednesday, having had a car full of students from Leeds with us for two Sundays. All they needed was a front door and a sofa with space for maybe one more person or another chair that they could bring in from the kitchen. And in a student house, you can always find a broken chair here and there to welcome someone. That, that church is now uh, over, over 350, 400 strong in Leeds. Um, I don't know if those students are even there anymore. Certainly no one would remember me and me saying, could we start something in your home? But that's how it began, just putting one foot in front of the other. And, and, and having started that way, just refusing to stop. Uh, walking in obedience to the call of Jesus to carry the gospel into new communities. Family life changes over the years. Jobs change. Houses move. The houses don't move. We move from house to house. Let's just get that right. <laughs> Unless you live in a caravan. Um, we get older. We've lived through a COVID era. But body of Jesus Christ, we just keep walking. We keep going. We continue with faith and obedience as his hands and his feet. My concern is that for many of us as churches, and, and we've known this tendency at times over the years, this imbalance, is that when we come to the kind of more missional part of being the body of Christ that we're talking about this morning, we often inadvertently subcontract it out to others to do the work to leaders, professionals. When we first planted the church in, in Oldham, I was working for an insurance company uh, in, in Manchester leading the church. Um, and uh, we thought, why, why is nobody becoming a, a follower of Jesus? We need an evangelist. Um, we didn't have an evangelist. We, we didn't have any money to hire an evangelist. So we learned to be evangelists. That's how it works, church. Okay, look around you. Our problem is, as we get bigger and more comfortable and buy our buildings, is that we think, hey, we've got some, we've got some professionals now. We've got leaders that you, you think I know what I'm doing, that, think that I think that he knows what he's doing. And we've got a staff team. And uh, hey, maybe we've got an evangelist. Maybe we've got a youth leader. Um, uh, hey, we fund some missionaries. We, we, love, we love missionaries. We love those that go and that need our support for a lifetime because of the breakthrough, pioneering nature of what they're doing. But, but church, we cannot subcontract out the work of being the body of Christ in mission. It's not something that we're able to do. Somebody said to me uh, this week, uh, I think they'd heard we had the church planting conference and uh, we were having a conversation. I shared a little bit about what I'm sharing this morning. And they said to me, and I understand why they said this. I'm not picking on them. They said, oh, can't we have a rest from church planting and sending people? 
we understand that, don't we? I, I, I was WhatsApping my buddy Joe last night as I was watching Ed Sheeran singing outside the Eiffel Tower, saying, Joe, have you got your windows open? Can you hear Ed Sheeran? I miss Joe. He's my friend. He's my buddy. He's my brother. Wow, can't we have a rest from all this church planting and all this sending? We understand the sentiment, don't we? But friends, we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We're his body. We have only one direction we can go in uh, and, and uh, as his disciples. Unless we decide we're going to cut off our feet, um, we're going to miss the biggest, greatest part of our discipleship that pulls everything into his coherent purpose. We talk about being up, in, and out as our discipleship. We worship Jesus upward, inwardly. We love and care for one another. If we miss the out part, we quickly lose our life and our purpose as the body of Christ. Most of us, of course, are not going to go and plant a church. Most of us are not in the shoes of the Druze in South Asia at the moment. Oh, I like that. That was good. Um, that, that's not your call. It's not my call. But all of us are called as disciples. Uh, it may seem less dramatic, but called you are nonetheless. Jude, that was Yoda, wasn't it? <laughs> Didn't mean that to sound like Yoda. <laughs> Caught your eye there. <laughs> called you are nonetheless <laughs> to be a disciple who goes? Um, you may not be in South Asia, but you've shared the gospel this week at the school gate. You've prayed for a neighbor. You've cared for someone through the COVID era. You've volunteered in a charity. You've helped out here in the cafe. Hey, disciple of Jesus who has beautiful feet that, that goes. We've been saying for three years now, holding that kind of prophetic uh, question that, that God asks in the scriptures, what have you got in your hand? And we've been saying, Lord, where, wherever we are, wherever you've placed me, wherever you've called me right now, I, I want to be obedient and serve you with whatever measure you've given me and in whatever environment I'm in. So we, we must not mistake our going and being obedient as meaning you have to move house or move nation but neither should we mistake the fact that we can just sub it out to others in this church our calling as disciples is yes to go to the ends of the earth but it's also to go to the ends of our street and that's who we are as disciples we're his hands and his feet can I hear an amen am I speaking to myself or is is anyone else finding the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart this morning we're just gonna we're gonna pray in a minute but let me just say a few more things about hands and feet if that's okay. I was thinking about hands. Whenever I think about hands, I, I think about my, my granddad, my granddad's hands, granddad Notting. We called him granddad Notting because at the time he led the Salvation Army in Nottingham. Um, that wasn't his name, but that's what you do with grandparents, don't you? That you give them funny names. Granddad, granddad my mum's dad, he had amazing hands. And uh, I was thinking about hands this week. Um, I remember we were talking last Sunday about some of those church uncles and aunties that pray and invest in kids that are not their own for the sake of the kingdom. That's how the body of Christ works. There's a, uh, a lovely older man, he's not an older man now, he's with Jesus, uh, called Alan, who prayed for Kaz since she was a little girl. I got to know him after we got married, Alan Hadfield. Alan was a gardener all his life. I remember going and praying with Alan uh, near the end of his life. Alan, Marge, do you remember Alan Hadfield? Um, in the church in East Queensland, lovely guy. He had... He had Big hands. They were brown. He had strong fingers. They were weathered. They were working hands. Very different to, to, to my soft, moisturized hands. Um, <laughs> just amazing hands. Working hands. Um, in my chaplaincy at the, the football club, Crawley Football Club, I was, uh, there's one of the guys I love to, to chat and talk with about life and, and faith. 
Um, he's not in the team at the moment. He's injured. Uh, he's a guy called Blondie, big six foot five goalkeeper from Cameroon. And uh, I, I, um, I shook Blondie's hand yesterday. Um, and uh, he has massive hands. I, I, my hands are not small. It was like a, a small child shaking hands with a, with a giant. He's, he's just got enormous hands. I said, Blondie, you could play the piano. He said, I could play two pianos. Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing, amazing hands. And, you know, this is where the problem comes because people like you and me say, oh, God, you, I, I couldn't offer my hands to you. I'm not experienced enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough power. I've not been trained enough. I'm not ready enough. I'm not strong. You can fill in your own excuse from a drop-down menu, but we've said all those things, haven't we? And the truth is, of course, we don't know enough. We're not ready enough. But the bigger truth is that generally we're just not obedient enough. We're not ready to say, yes, Lord, with whatever I've got in my hands, however weak I feel, Wherever you want to place me, I'm ready to meet any need that you want me to serve you. Who can I just touch and bless in the name of Jesus with what I have in my hands today? Of course, I can't, can't imagine how I can represent the hands of Jesus. His hands flung stars into space. His hands stretched out and healed the, the sick. His hands prophetically turned over tables of injustice. He, his hands, were, as we've sung this morning, were stretched out and nailed to a cross in sacrificial love. How, how, can, how can I stretch out my hands and represent such hands as these? But the truth is, Jesus invites me to, and he invites me to obedience in this. But I need his loving, empowering presence to do so. The, the good news for us here, church, this morning, and if you're looking at your hands at home or here in the building this morning, the good thing is we don't have empty hands. After three years of Jesus demonstrating his own ministry. He, as we read earlier, he delegated authority to his disciples. And then on the day of Pentecost, whoa, the Holy Spirit came afresh upon them and he empowered them to carry his authority. Since the day of Pentecost, Jesus hasn't yet returned. We wouldn't be sat here otherwise. Um, there's news for you. Um, and if you are sat here after Jesus returned, then we're not a true church, just to let you know. Um, but the reality is until Jesus returns, we are still in the days of the Spirit where Jesus is empowering ordinary disciples like you and me. This is a story we're a part of. If you think, why have I come to church today? Danny was reading some stats earlier. What, what's the point of coming just to sing a few songs, hear a sermon, drink a coffee. Yeah, all those things are beautiful. Make some friends. But you've been written into a story, disciple of Jesus, to be his hands and his feet. And so through the New Testament, we see now these ordinary disciples. They're men and women just like you and me, teenagers just like you, kids just like the ones down in our kids' church this morning. But now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, after the day of Pentecost, you find them loving their neighbors, taking care of the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the needy being hospitable to strangers, healing the sick just like Jesus, um, bringing justice and mercy, being peacemakers, caring for the captives, the prisoner, the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, the outsider. Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You're my hands and feet. I, I, I love uh, what you see when you read between the lines in Acts, in, in Acts 3, uh, the disciples are healing a man who's been paralyzed since birth. 
in Acts 4, as they're praying and coming under a little bit of attack and persecution, they say, wow, we've, we've loved this healing miracle of Jesus. We want more. The way they pray is this, Lord, stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. Um, now, Jesus had ascended into heaven at this point. Jesus wasn't there physically amongst them, stretching out his hands. He wasn't going to answer that prayer in, in that way. They recognized that the hands they were asking him to stretch out were their hands, empowered and emboldened by his spirit. These men and women have begun to look and sound like Jesus. They acted like him. This is discipleship empowered by the spirit. This is the body empowered by the spirit of God, life brought to it by the spirit of God. We don't have empty hands, beloved. It's amazing. This is us, church. Sometimes I wonder, what am I waiting for? What are we waiting for together? What extra thing are we holding back for? What extra equipping? Or are we really just happy to live with two-thirds of what it means to be the body of Christ with our worship and our care for one another, but hoping one day somebody else will sort out the missional parts? No, God wants us to stretch out and be obedient and be his hands and feet in the world. Churches that are happy to live with just worship and one anothering will grow old together in rooms like this. Our kids will grow up and they will look for a kingdom vision somewhere else and an adventure for Jesus somewhere else. We are called to be up, in and out as his hands and feet in the world. And the good news is that God in his wisdom, it's crazy but it's true, has called us because he wants to work through our obedience and our hands and our feet and our voices. He wants us to be those that announce the kingdom. That manifesto in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus unrolled in the scroll of Isaiah that we read at the start. Now Jesus says he wants to operate that manifesto through the likes of you and me. Good news to the poor? Well, it's us that gets to announce that to the poor in our context. Uh, we get to say Jesus is the way to them. Bind up the brokenhearted? It's us that get to carry the compassion of Jesus to those who are brokenhearted here in the room and out in the world today. Freedom for the captives. It's us that get to carry the authority of Jesus, delegated by him. We can now liberate people from all kinds of bondage. Open blind eyes. We now get to lay hands on the sick, knowing it's Jesus' hands uh, that are releasing healing power in his name. Wow, we only get to carry this mission forward, church, if we are his body under his headship. This is as much a part of being the body. I'm overemphasizing today to make the point, to correct an imbalance that I fear we sometimes have amongst us. We are a body who worships. We are a body who care for one another. But our discipleship must push us out as well. And thank goodness that he empowers us with the Spirit. One of the prophetic pictures that came a few times through our week of prayer. I think, Nick, uh, you started it off on Sunday night just reading uh, that, that amazing prophetic picture from Ezekiel about dry bones uh, coming to life and a body forming and an army forming and, uh, and, and breath comes into the body. Our life comes from God. Jesus came to initiate the kingdom, but he's delegated it to us as his disciples. He's breathed on us. We've received the spirit. We get to carry his kingdom forward. Well, I'm just going to pause there a second. Are you, are you with me still? Are you catching my heart this morning? Please know I'm speaking to myself I was reading this quote from uh, Teresa of Avila, uh, Avila um, in uh, 1600s. She was, uh, I think she founded the Carmelite monastic tradition. Now the Carmelites are famous for their amazing Belgian beer. Um, but I don't think she started off that way. I don't even know if the quote's really hers, but it's amazing. <laughs> Christ has no body but yours, she says to us 500 years ago. Christ has no hands, no feet on earth. 
but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hand with which he blesses all the world. It's true of us, church. Look around. Our hands and feet, our eyes, our mouth. She, uh, she had a few run-ins with the, with the Pope's men. They didn't like her, uh, mainly because she was a woman, um, but also uh, because they thought she was breaking all the rules. One of the, one of the Pope's uh, men said, this disobedient and stubborn woman who, under the guise of devotion, invents bad doctrines and moves outside the cloister against the rules. I read that and I said, God, would you give us more disobedient and stubborn women and men and disciples that will move outside of the four walls of the cloister and shake the world for Jesus Christ. Wow. So let me sum up here and, and, and perhaps we'll, we'll just pray and worship in response. Anna, Bill, can you come and help? Um, thank you. If you're around somewhere, I don't know. Have I seen Anna somewhere? Did Anna? Oh, Anna's there too. Beautiful. Just, just play something that, that helps us welcome the presence of Jesus. This Tuesday afternoon, some of us on the team here were praying down in the Kingsfold room and uh, it was a really significant prophetic moment. I think this Week of prayer. It's funny, isn't it, when we say, Lord, would you speak to us in a week like this? If we have ears to hear, he speaks to us. We just felt together very strongly provoked. Really, it's reshaped this message this morning to, to stop and to make room to hear Jesus our head. Um, I felt very strongly. Uh, it's very easy to do a message like this and just talk to each of us about our own personal application. There are all things that, that Jesus is um, speaking to you about doing in your own lives, your own context, that will mean that you become more and more his hands and feet. Praise God. Please listen to him, him and, and please walk forward in that. But I felt so strongly on Tuesday that there's something for us as a body together that is new for us to express this. This month has been about the body and just sense the Holy Spirit speaking about how we do this all together. Just begin to play. It's beautiful. Don't wait. Don't wait to be asked or wait for your volume to go up. It'll magically come through. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment, will you, hey? Lord, we love you. We're never going to get tired of saying we love you. Wow. Will you just continue to speak to us now? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Will you remove every rock from the road, every blockage from our thinking? Will you just breathe fresh courage and life into us this morning? As we approached um, 2020, we had some amazing 2020 goals for the kingdom um, that we wanted to advance in. And last year was amazing in seeing some of those worked out. One of those that we've still not fully walked into was that we were saying, Lord, through this year of 2020 and on into the 20s, which we are now in, will you give us an outstanding, genuine work amongst the poor that expresses your heart in this town and to the world around us? I think through the last year, we got connected. In fact, we helped to build it. We played our part. The whole Love Your Neighbor um, initiative, it's been amazing. Scores of us volunteering, helping, serving around the town, food parcels, phone calls, helping at vaccination clinics, um, as individuals through this last year you guys have just been amazing as the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbours and your friends but we just became so aware on Tuesday that as we come out the other side of the crisis part of this 
COVID era, it's very easy for us to get busy again as a church and to hide behind the Love Your Neighbor banner and say, oh yeah, we do work with the poor in the town. We're part of Love Your Neighbor. Amazing. We're going to continue playing our part significantly in the air. But we just felt and sensed so strongly, no, Jesus is reminding us he's got specific works for us to do as a part and expression of his body. Just praying, so we're praying together, recognizing it'll be four years this uh, Christmas time since we closed uh, what we used to call Feet Crawley. Many of you won't, won't know about that. You weren't part of the church at the time. We had this um, idea of feeding lots of people down in our, our old cafe down the end. Uh, and many people came, many who were hungry and in need came for a, a hot meal and, and lots of connection around that. Um, as we closed that down, and we closed it down for, for good reasons, but there was a lot of pain uh, around that at the time. But at the center of it was a genuine opportunity of the kingdom of God to reach the poor in spirit and to demonstrate and proclaim the good news and the love and the care of Jesus to broken people. And uh, my concern as I stand here before you this morning after our prayer time on Tuesday is that we can build so carefully um, as we rediscover church life after COVID that we miss the call for God to grow something together in us again which the Holy Spirit has uniquely called us to demonstrate we talk and pray a lot about developing our kingdom vision around jungle tots and our garden space and the new cafe and wanting to reach out to the homeless and the addicts and wanting to be more confident in sharing the gospel but so often we just get busy and we don't have time to develop those ideas any further some of that fault is with leaders ideas get stuck around me and my office and my team we never share it with the body hey friends news announcement we're sharing it with the body we, we just need to hear what the holy spirit's saying to us don't we it's time we, we just felt so convinced on tuesday just to press pause on this sunday and and to share with the body a sense of inadequacy in this area um, we don't beat ourselves up we're not ashamed we're responding to what the holy spirit's saying and as a body we want to feel the burden of that and come together on that and, and, and recognize because we're a body and we I know many of us sense that together. Lord, how do we respond to your leadership? Well, we've, I was praying this morning, saying, Lord, we've, we've spent 18 months rediscovering what it means to be disciples outside of the church. Please rescue us from coming back inside and building up our four walls again. Don't let us build structures that hem us in again. Don't let us get so busy with all the other things, important though they are, when primarily you've called us to be a hands and feet gospel sharing gospel carrying people I, i'm deeply concerned that that doesn't happen and deeply convicted that we can't just sub it out to a few gifted individuals the odd alpha course the odd volunteer that serves with love your neighbor we do believe as we we're praying on tuesday and i know we carry this because i've spoken with many of you listened with many of you that god has some specific gospel action and work with the poor for us together that is an expression for us as his body so what are we saying as we pray together? I think I'm just asking, can we pray together? Today, in the weeks and months ahead, um, we were saying on Tuesday, hey, we don't get room to talk about this because we don't make room to talk about this and listen to God. We have a week of prayer, we move on quickly. I I'm sorry for that. Lord, I'm sorry for that. So I wonder if through the autumn, through up to Christmas, in, in January, we're planning 21 days of prayer and fasting for evangelistic breakthrough maybe we can just pause a bit on the way maybe we can hijack some more Sundays like we've done today we can pray together hey 
body of Jesus Christ. You can listen to the head. You can hear his voice too. Let's have our eyes open and our ears open. We don't want false starts. We don't want to run ahead. Um, we don't want clever initiatives that have been devised in my office that I launch on a Sunday that the body doesn't really fully recognize. But nor do we want to stay on the start line where Jesus is saying, hey, get those beautifully engineered feet moving because I've got work for you to do. Jesus, we want you. We want to walk in step with your spirit. We want to hear your voice and we just want to say yes and be obedient. Can we just stand and pray together? Hope you got my heart in that. Nathan, can you come and pray for us? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. Would you activate something this morning? Lord, more than just a Sunday sermon, more than a nice moment as the keyboard played beautifully. Lord, we love the emotion of it, but we, Lord, we're longing to hear your voice. Longing for you to shape something in us that so transforms us into a genuine expression of your body and truly gives us a unique way as this particular expression of local church in Crawley to serve this town, to love this town and to see the lost, the broken, the weary lifted up and coming to Jesus. Oh God, please, would you open our ears and our eyes to see what you're doing and hear what you're saying in these weeks ahead. Hallelujah. Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and speak to us this morning. Come and convict our hearts this morning. Lord, let us not hear the condemnation that comes from the devil which, which leaves us in guilt over the things that we haven't done. But Lord God, I pray you'll come through your Holy Spirit and you will convict our hearts which leads to action. Lord God, let us not sing songs this morning about how great you are and about how we want to be your hands and feet in the earth and then let us just sit inside these four walls. Lord God, open our eyes, open our hearts to the needs that are around us. Lord God, let us do that as a church, but let us do that first as individuals. And I just pray this morning, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will come upon this church, come upon individuals and you'd open their eyes to the needs that are around them where they can go and be your hands and feet as you have commanded, Lord God. We've heard as well from the kids this morning that you don't leave us alone. Lord God, you give us your spirit to go with us, to go before us. Lord God, I pray your spirit will convict each and every one of us at some point this week to go and be your hands and feet. Lord God, yeah, we don't want to sing songs about, about how good you are, and yet we go out through the rest of the week not living for you. There's a chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 58, which is which has been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks. And the first bit talks about how um, the Israelites were going about their business and they were praying to God and asking God for healing, asking him to come and be with them. And they're asking God, why can't you hear us? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you listening to us? Why aren't you doing what we've asked you to do? And then God turns around and he says to them, well, you're not doing the things I've asked you to do. You're not feeding the hungry you're not being with those who are poor in spirit you are not being uh, acting in with justice and acting with mercy to those around you and then it says from verse 6 it says is this is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice to untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then, then 
your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Lord God, we pray and we ask you to, to, to work in our lives, Lord God. But you've given us a command as well to go and be your hands and feet. Lord God, let's not close our eyes, let's not close our ears to what you want us to do this morning. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come upon this place. Come upon every heart. And show them what you want them to do, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit.